Brian is back. The Brian Mudd Show. Throw in your two cents. Call 1-866-610-6397. That's 1-866-610-6397. Like Google's creation of its parent Alphabet in 2015, a rebranded Facebook would likely create an umbrella company that oversees the Facebook app, as well as Instagram, WhatsApp, and Oculus, among others. You know, the case of Google, it was all so they could now be evil, right? <laughs> Get rid of Google and you went to Alphabet, the parent Google uh, drops its mission statement of don't be evil, and, uh, well, they certainly have engaged in plenty of activity that might be along those lines ever since. So, Facebook, interesting dynamic in play here, in addition to what Trump's up to. Here to talk about this stuff, Adam Raziri, Chief Marketing Officer, Agency Partner Interactive, joining us once again. How you doing, Adam? Hey, Brian. Good morning, sir. Doing well. All right, so what do you make of this whole Facebook umbrella rebranding thing? You know, when I, when I kind of see what Facebook's doing here, part of me is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast, guys. Aren't we talking about uh, you know antitrust reform and breaking Facebook up potentially, or are we talking about things we can do to ensure that Facebook is more of a free and fair platform? Nah, nah, Facebook here, they're trying to, I think, kind of distract us a little bit, and we've seen this before. Uh, the last time they decided to raise uh, the cost of advertising on their platform, by like 47% while also not acknowledging their shrinking user base. They were talking about their aspirations to move towards this concept called the metaverse, which if you think about this term, the metaverse, just think about that movie, The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. And, you know, you see your physical reality is becoming really, really intertwined with your digital and, and virtual realities, almost to the point where there's no actual separation between the two. That's what Facebook's trying to kind of get in our faces right now to sort of distract us from obviously that whistleblower situation, uh, concerns about child privacy, and, and so many other issues that I think really we have to address first before saying, okay, well, Facebook, why don't we change the future together? Yeah, you bring up an interesting point about the antitrust stuff and whether there could be an effort to break up or, or what have you. You wonder if some of this isn't strategic that way just in case, uh, or am I ever thinking this? <laughs> you know, part of it might be strategic. You know, I think everything they do has, has some sort of strategic intent behind it. And, you know, timing is everything, right? And, and here we see Facebook, this company that really wants to control its destiny. Um, they want to try and control the future. And they know that they are competing against, uh, you know, you mentioned Google and Alphabet, right? Google, once upon a time, back in the good old days when they were saying do no evil, um, they were just a great search engine. And then they, they reshaped kind of the the way they saw themselves as a business changed their company name to Alphabet. And now, you know, they own more than half the world in, in, in many ways. Um, you know, they, they are a collection of many different companies that do many different things. Uh, and so now Facebook, right? Facebook is going from just being like this social media company to now trying to say, hey, you know what? Why don't we consolidate sort of how we view ourselves? We're not just going to be Facebook as a platform. We're not just going to be WhatsApp or Oculus or Instagram. Let's combine those assets which is obviously the opposite of kind of the antitrust conversations. Let's combine all those assets and find ways to go after the real currency of power in the future, which, of course, is user data. If we combine everything that we already control and then focus our assets around, you know, better utilizing that data to create value mostly for themselves, then um, they might be able to better compete against Google when it comes to uh, shaping the future of the Internet's growth. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If those are the two that oh, were so taken. Much. 
so much so, Brian. It's kind of funny, too, in this one, seeing Jack Dorsey, of all people, start to troll Facebook. I mean, if you watch Jack Dorsey's uh, Twitter account, uh, he started Twitter, or trolling Facebook, you know, from that outage they had, obviously. And, and now this, this rebrand, um, he's sort of really kind of validating what I think a lot of us are saying, that Facebook is trying to sort of create this kind of this corporate totalitarian future for us. Well, on the other side of things, you had Donald Trump that had indicated for some time he was considering launching his own social media platform after being deplatformed by the majors of which you've spoken. And uh, we noticed, you know, that he didn't make the jump to platforms that wanted to have him, like Parler or Getter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that yeah. continued to lend credibility to the idea that he was working on something. So, indeed, Trump to launch the truth. What do you make of this effort? I, man, I've, I've been waiting for this. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, I was when I saw Jason Miller launch Getter, I was like, maybe Getter is kind of what, you know, Trump was really intending when he started talking about creating a social network. Um, and then, of course, you know, we, we obviously saw what happened with Parler. Um, for, for any sort of competing concept to rise against the, the powers that be, right? Twitter, Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple. Uh, they, man, you gotta, you gotta come with, with a, with a striking force. And truth, the way kind of, the way President Trump has sort of structured this, I mean, this company is starting with an $875 million valuation. They're starting from day one with $290 million of cash on hand, which is about $290 million more cash than most every startup that I've heard of. Um, so I think that bringing that to the table, you know, it's going to really do a lot for it. But also, too, let's consider this. What does President Trump bring to the table? He brings a lot of users to the table. I mean, he had literally 89 million followers on Twitter when there are only about 70 million U.S. Uh, users on Twitter uh, in terms of monthly active users. He has... You know, literally 30, he had in January, right? 35 and a quarter million users on Facebook were following him. About 24 and a half million people on Instagram were following President Trump. And um, nearly uh, 2.77 million followers on YouTube. These are, all, these are all major platforms that shut him down and really just blocked uh, a lot of people that are interested in things that he has to say from that sort of content. So, you know, this couldn't come soon enough. You know, he's, he's watching the, the early. Uh, kind of the early test uh, beta uh, for, 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 I guess, invited users here in November, and then the nationwide release for True Social is going to be early 2022. And this couldn't come fast enough, frankly, because, you know, the midterm elections are coming up next year, and uh, if the public's not able to access, you know, his thoughts on the candidates that are going to be coming across the ballot, then that's a real problem. And, and I think so, uh, you know, looking at True Social and what it might mean for the future of our elections, it's a great thing. Let's, let's let the communication fly. You know, Adam, you know, Donald Trump has been involved with so many very successful ventures, but he's also been involved with numerous failures as well, things that just have not worked out. And it was a very small-scale deal, but one of which happened to be, it's kind of teasing that, uh, hey, he was coming out with something, you know, to be able to communicate. And when he did, it was this blog earlier this year, and it, it really wasn't, there wasn't much to it, and he didn't do a whole lot with it, and it didn't go anywhere, so he stopped it. Is this different? I mean, you're talking about some real money and horsepower behind it. Are the developers behind this, the people behind this, the the you know capacity? Is it going to be where it needs to be to to create an experience that is going to be acceptable to having that kind of of user base? You know, even Michael Jordan was cut from his high school varsity team, and and that was Michael Jordan, right? Like, I think I think Trump right now, kind of looking at the the months that have passed since January, um, he's been watching the market, been 
getting really, really smart and educated on kind of what the, the social media market might be able to accept. And so I think he's surrounded himself with a lot of very capable individuals that can really bring something to market that's able to optimize and then also to rapidly scale. You know, scalability is one of the biggest concerns with a platform like this, and I think he's ready for it. Talking to Adam Raziri, the Chief Marketing Officer at Agency Partner Interactive. So here's the, 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 the thing. There have been obviously enough lanes. People manage, you know, multiple social media platforms to an extent. Do you think there is a lane for Trump's truth, for Getter and for, for Parler, or do you think his coming out with his own social media platform is going to kill one or both of Getter and Parler? Oh, great question. Great question. You know, yeah, is it going to edge him out of the market, or are they going to somehow find a way to consolidate the user bases there? You know, and I think about Gab also, right? So it, it remains to be seen. Uh, the the merger that Trump's created is one that I know is capable of absorbing or acquiring other businesses to kind of create a really big business really quickly. So, you know, it's not real, it's not ridiculous or, or maybe out of the question to say that they might just go and buy the user base that the user base that Getter has already acquired to go buy the user base that um, maybe Gab or Parler have, have created to, to start. Um, obviously, those are some very important private business conversations amongst those leaders and, and those business owners. But, uh, you know, never say never, right? I mean, never say never. At the end of the day, I think one of these guys is going to be the, the, the one on top of the mountain. And to be totally honest, I mean, I, I got to put my money on Trump. Are we headed towards a universe in which social media is pretty much as partisan as everything else? And by that, I mean, not even if you go on Twitter, which we both do. I mean, obviously, you know, we're well outnumbered there um, as it is. But is (laughs) this a case to where it's basically going to be, you know, echo chambers with with the left that has theirs and the right that has theirs? You know, I I hope not. I I hope that we do see more of a two-sided conversation, you know, but... Like you said, I mean, anytime Don Jr. tweets something, I mean, release the troll army, right? I mean, right. it follows almost everything. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think if we do more to ensure that the user accounts that are on these platforms are actually verified users and not like these anonymous, uh, these, these anonymous uh, troll accounts that seem to persist on Twitter, you know, I think that would help, right? It'll, it'll help you sort of get away from some of those keyboard warriors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a really great explanation of everything and analysis. Appreciate it, Adam. Talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah, you got it. Adam Raziri, Chief Marketing Officer, Agency Partner Interactive. All right. Today's Q&A of the day. It's about South Florida's driver's license services by appointment only. We'll get into that next here on the Brian Munch Show, News Radio 610 WIOD. 